Ryan, you lived in New York. What do you think? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as the mafia. Okay. What you have are specific families. Mm -hmm. What's the guy's last name? Um, it is Grotti. Oh, oh no. Oh, boy. That is... What? What? John Gotti, you idiot. It's it's a completely different name. So he won't get caught. Yeah. Pretty close. What are you talking about? What mobster would change his name from Gotti to Grotti? It weakens it. No, I disagree. R is among the most menacing of sounds. That's why they call it murder and not muck duck. Okay, too many different words coming at me from too many different sentences. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jake. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Jake? That's my nose whistles. Yeah. I, I have, so I, I appreciate the listeners. Um, Jeff did not tell me your names, but those who, who pointed out that I was breathing into the mic and that and I'm sure that was not pleasant. Yeah. So I I apologize. Um, that was one of my like one of my favorite episodes, so it sucks that I distracted <laughs> From one of my favorite episodes. Um, anyway, so I will uh, breathe away from the mic. Well, I think the distra- the distraction was when I was talking. So you were just trying to hog the attention that episode. Ah, that's what I was trying to do. Subconsciously, <laughs> yeah. like trying to bring it back You're onto like, me. shit, Jeff's talking. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Just over here. Just, yeah. Just huffing some paint. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, dude? What's new? Um, Just school yeah 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 you said you were working your tail off to to get ready for to have time to record yeah i mean it's hard because i think to and i don't know this for a fact but i'm thinking that because we're we're all doing this remotely right where so you don't really have that ability to like go to the cafeteria and have a club with your with your besties on campus right and talk about things that you're you know you're studying they try to they try to make up for that lack of being able to talk outside of camp, mm-hmm. outside of class, because right. obviously we can see each other and converse through, you know, through like Zoom, which is like a wet, like a Skype kind of thing. Okay, but um, we they're doing a lot of group activities, which are mm. difficult to try to do right. when you have people all over the time zones. Yeah, like we had somebody. Oh, we had. Yeah. I, I did a group project that was due yesterday morning. <laughs> My time, like our time, seven thirty. Yeah, but we had somebody who was in Germany. Mm-hmm. Someone in Washington D.C. and someone in Colorado. Jeez. So we had we had people all over the place working on a Google Doc at like different times, and then trying to like piece that all together to make it flow well. Because we yeah. had to, we had to make a um, we had to make a uh, an entire like argument for a particular side of a debate, mm-hmm. and then pr- and then present that by a particular time. Right. So that made it. I mean, it's just. It's difficult. Like the other time, yeah. like there was, a, I ha- also have a group of group of project that was going on last week where a guy is in Kazakhstan mm-hmm. and another guy and an- another person um, who was in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and then I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So right. you've got like all these different Jeez. time zones trying to coordinate with that. I didn't that. even think that about that. Yeah. But it's super cool though, because it, it's, it's a cool skill that you can use on a resume, right? Like I, you know, coordinating, coordinating yeah, for, with people different in different time, time zones, zones and learning how like kind of cultivating those relationships, how to, and you know, group projects always present their own problems. 
Oh, because with yeah. no centralized authority, there's always going to be a, a, a capacity to free ride. People want to to not do anything. I think I really offended this dude the other day. Oh, so we're working on that Google Doc like two hours before it was due, uh-huh. and this guy jumps in and he starts like he starts saying something that is just not it's not correct. It's not wrong. It's not true. Okay, it's incorrect. Like the stuff he was the stuff he was writing was incorrect, and I'm just like, dude no <laughs> i just i made a i made a comment like i highlighted what he was doing yeah. and in the google doc I, I just went like that's not what waltz is like waltz is not arguing for this yeah and i explained why and he guess he the guy just said okay and then deleted everything and jumped out of the google doc <laughs> so i'm pretty sure i didn't make a friend there did he do anything um no oh wow but he gets credit yeah Dang! I can't wait for this. Well, so the well, the, so the other the other side, which Just is like a group of five people, because there's yeah. only like ten people in the class. The other the other group has the rebuttal, and then when we meet in cl- when we all meet in class on Saturday morning, we then pick up the debate in li- in live, live, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, continue the debate in person. Oh, so we okay. have to like anticipate counter arguments and everything. So luckily, so like all the group is split into block like into subgroups like the whole class is so split into subgroups anyway mm-hmm. but my other t- my other two normal group members what they call our blog groups where we we talk every single week about we have to make like this big like uh, post about and comments about the readings for that particular week so okay. the people i'm normally conversing with they're on the other side mm-hmm. so i know them pretty well so i i can i'm in I already know how to anticipate one of theirs. I know how I know where he's gonna come at ah, come at us from. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's kind of fun games yeah. gamesmanship a little bit. So I'm having a blast. But uh yeah, it's always it's interesting having to deal with people who just they don't really want to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, I wonder if there's gonna be that much like I doubt it, but push for me and my program to to interact. Cause a lot of it's gonna be like content creation or content analysis i assume mm-hmm. but i wonder if they're gonna um do that i think so i mean <laughs> I, who, I hope who knows <laughs> i i thought i would hate it at first and then i i've kind of gotten used to it because you do find the people who also want to work and you mm-hmm. can build right decent relationships yeah, with those people cool. so dang dude i can't believe you're like in it jealous yeah, I mean, I, I'm finally starting to... I'm catching my stride. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've got A's through so far through both, in Damn, both courses. Damn, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling, feeling good. That's Our first awesome. major assignment, though, like first like major written assignment mm-hmm. that's going to be like, you know, pretty toughly graded yeah. is due a week in a week. So How long? 1,400 words, which oh, is I'm not which is really not that long. Yeah. That's like double-spaced... Right, four right. and a half, five pages. Oh, it's not too bad, but it's got to be good content. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think you and I were talking about what we're going to talk about this episode, and if you don't mind, yeah. maybe later in the episode. I know you got a lot you want to talk about. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll just if I'm excited, I'm really excited about what I'm learning. So oh, I kind of want to talk, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah, so yeah. We'll get into that yeah. later. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to tell you before we jump into everything, um, was uh. So I went to a softball game, and I was just watching softball. What like it was like a friend, family member's softball game. Okay, like a a young person's softball game. No, adult slow pitch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm just watching it, and I'm like, "This looks kind of fun." Are you gonna play softball? And I was like, "I hate baseball, but this looks kind of cool." And I was like watching it, and 
explaining everything, you know, just like, oh, okay, so that's what they're doing. Okay. I, I knew what was happening, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, dang, I know a surprising amount about baseball, even though I hate it. <laughs> so, uh, but I was like, okay, whatever, forget it. And then I woke up one Saturday morning and I was just sitting here and I was like, I think I'm going to watch baseball. So I started watching baseball. Oh, yeah? And I was like, I think I like this. And I was like, oh, fuck. I think I like I'm this. I'm super excited. <laughs> I've been trying to get you to watch baseball for a while. So then my niece, who's like, I was thinking about her the other day because she was texting me because she came and spent the weekend with me and Jen. And she, I just put on The Office because I've been go hammering through The Office. And she was laughing so hard. And she was like, I think I'm going to watch this when I get home. And I was like, yes. So last night she texts me and she's just like, or yesterday I think, she's just like, I love Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Kevin's so good. So I, I was thinking about Alex. She's like my, she's like being best friends with myself, a cooler version of myself. <laughs> she's so like me. It's crazy, but she's way cooler than me. Mm -hmm. um, but she was like. You know, she does Taekwondo. She's super invested in Taekwondo. She's been doing it for years. She's not too far from a black belt. Wow. But she's like, I think I want to do like a team sport. And I was like, okay, here we go. Basketball, baby. Yes, this is the moment. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, hell yeah. Like what? She's like, I don't know, like lacrosse. And I was like, what? I was like, are you serious? You need to hit people with sticks, and dude. she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about lacrosse. And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know anything about lacrosse, but I could get into that. That'd be fun to watch. You know, she's a badass girl who does taekwondo. And then she goes, or softball. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, it's been 12 years of me shoving basketball down your throat and you have zero interest in it. Well, maybe someday, she says. And I'm like, Ugh. so her and I get out of softball and we just start playing catch. And literally maybe an hour and a half goes by and we're just playing catch. Mm -hmm. I'm in love with playing catch. So now I bought a softball mitt. Did you? A softball glove. And she's going to get a softball mitt. And I went over there on Sunday and we just played catch for an hour again. That's awesome, dude. I'm so into it. We should do a league. We should, but my evenings are only on the weekend. I know. Like Sunday night or Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, I could drop flag and we could do Sunday night. I think it would be so fun. Yeah. If we can get a squad, it'd be I'd be into it. Yeah, I mean I'm terrible probably, but it's whatever. Yeah, I I love do I've always I've loved playing baseball. I played baseball when I was younger until yeah. I broke my leg and I stopped playing. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, I slow pitch. I played slow pitch with my work. My work did a mm -hmm, team for mm -hmm. a couple of years, and it's a it's a blast. Yeah, I it looked fun. It. And I get spit sunflower seeds. I mean, if you do like the co-ed leagues, it's usually yeah. you don't get the big, you don't get the bros like that show yeah. up in their uniforms. Mm. But um, obnoxious. But the, uh, I mean, they they like what they, I mean they they like what they do, so yeah. that's cool. I'm glad yeah, they yeah. found something they enjoy. That's not my scene for sure. But I, I think that I've played in the I played in co-ed leagues, uh -huh. and that seems to be a little bit more toned down for sure. Fun. I mean, you still get the the tryhards. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, who are you know out there? The Uncle Rico's like, yeah. You know, <laughs> coach had put me in back in '77. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. But they, but for the most part, it seems to be more fun. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyways, I'm into yeah. baseball. So you have a team you're gonna root go. for? No, I'm not rooting for the Orioles. No, I wouldn't <laughs> expect you to. They're awful. No, I don't know. I don't know. 
I, I think I was watching the Orioles game, though. Dude, how cool is it going to be if Portland gets a team? That'd be wild. Yeah. Now that I kind of am interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to get a team here pretty soon. Really? Yeah. Wow. That'd Within cool. the, probably the next three to five if years. If Portland has a team, you got to root for the home team. Oh, I, I would I'd dump the Orioles in a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, just looking for an excuse. For sure. They're sad. Yeah. They're probably going to get better. I think Adley Rutschman. It's yeah, gonna be good. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be good. He's a, he's a really good switching switch hitting catcher. Yeah, so he can hit on both sides of the plate. Oh wow! Yeah, crazy. He's better left handed than he is right handed. But I yeah. can't even think I could do that. No, I couldn't either. Jeez, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if Portland gets a team, I'm all over it. Um, Did you see Seattle got a hockey team for certain? An NHL team? You're yeah. lying. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's, they've already had, they already have the the name picked out. They got the jerseys set. What are and they? They're building the stadium right now. Uh, they're the Seattle Sockeyes. It's salmon. Is that real? Yeah. Oh wow! And the jerseys look pretty sick. Like this is like Native American design. Wait, is this for real? Swear to God. <laughs> I'm just pulled it up. Oh, I did see that they were they were reconstructing this arena. What was it? Are they building arena? They're building an they're building an arena. Yeah. Oh damn. How are they going to do that for hockey but not basketball? I know, right? What is that? I dude, the Sonics leaving had nothing was nothing more than David Stern wanting a team in Oklahoma City. He pretty he pretty much like he 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 railroaded them out of Seattle. Yeah. There was there was there wasn't money issues. Yeah. It was he wanted a team in Oklahoma City and the Sonics happened to be that team. I don't understand how it you It should take... have been the fucking Kings. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's my point. I don't know how you take a team out of Seattle and put them and move them. Especially a team that had won a championship. Yeah. Yeah. And had been in and it had been in Western Conference Finals as like in the nineties. Yeah. It was like with it was Sean Kemp and right. the glove and <sighs> yeah. Dang. Oh well, I mean that's cool that they got hockey. Yeah. But and they got the Mariners, they got the Seahawks. They got so it's not like everything. It's not like they're they're you know, they've taken the only sports yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was kind of like the biggest sports team there for a long time for until sure. the Seahawks got good. Yeah. Well, we have soccer and we have basketball. And if we get baseball, that'd be dope. Yeah, I think uh, so, so the MLB wants to expand. And yeah. Portland's definitely building, making a really good pitch mm-hmm. to be one of the two cities they expand right. to. Or if there's a relocation mm. um, to be the locate, like to get that. Um, the relocating team. Right. It's more expensive to get a relocation because you have to pay, um, relo- like you have to pay relocation fees and you have to like the way that's written, you have to mm-hmm. pay like something like a ridiculous amount of money, like $200 million to every club in the MLB. What? If you're if like, if for a team to relocate, jeez. So it's way more expensive, yeah. but you already get like a team that already has like a, like a nucleus right. and like a, f- a f- developed farm system mm-hmm. instead of starting from complete scratch. Right. Cause then you're, your your hot garbage right for like a decade before you can finally build up to that hmm. point because with the national the nationals were like the last expansion team but right. even they were somewhat of a they were kind of more of a relocation because they came from montreal right um so there really hasn't been an expansion franchise since really the rays mm-hmm. it's like the rays forever to get good and then they're also one uh, ironically one of the teams that's probably going to be relocating oh really so, yeah that's Damn. one of the teams that's been tied to portland but that'd be mm. a really really long move the other team that's been tied to portland is the oakland a's i saw that i knew that mm-hmm. yeah dang dude that's crazy i'll go watch some baseball we should go up to safeco or i guess it's not safeco anymore it's always gonna be safeco 
Yeah. But it's got a different Moda name. Center. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> uh, CJ goes up there all the time, Dude, it, all the time. I know. I I love ba- basketball mm-hmm. as a live venue because you know how fast paced it is, right. and you can be so close to the action. But there is not a more gorgeous live setting for sports. What are you than, talking than about? Mids, than Midsummer <laughs> Baseball. Yeah, it's oh. Have you ever been to an actual MLB not game? MLB, no. Oh, dude, we have we you have to go. Or Let's we have do it. To go. I'm down. We have to do it. Yeah, yeah. That'd Orioles, be fun. Orioles come play the Mariners because they're both equally as terrible. Okay. So it could be decent. Let's do it. All right, I'm down. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> uh, I have a rant. Okay. That I want to get on. Let's do it. And then I have a topic that I think will guide maybe into your school stuff. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> Hit me. Okay, so this is going to get personal. Okay. Okay, so for those listeners who don't know, my wife and I have been struggling with infertility. And we, um, you know, she had surgery, I think, two years ago in January, um, and she was diagnosed with severe endometriosis. Um, The doctor said it was one of the worst cases they'd ever seen, Um and so that was what is was hindering our ability to have children. Jen and I are now on a path to adopt, so it's all good. We're almost towards the end of what, our end of what we need to do, um, and then we got to just submit on kids, and we'll see what happens from there. So as far as that goes, as far as the pursuit of starting a family, we're in a great place. But Jen's health, her quality of life has not been great. She's constantly in the pain she's constantly like like aching because of endometriosis so uh, endometriosis i've kind of been trying to like i don't know i guess post about it and be sort of a a distant advocate on it online you know what i mean if i see an interesting video i'll post about it um but let me just read real quick a, a definition Okay. Endometriosis is an often painful disorder in which tissue that normally lines the uterus um, grows outside of the uterus. Endometriosis commonly involves your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and tissues lining the pelvis. So when this lining is on the outside, it kind of spider webs over everything and binds it all together and then causes scar tissue and then, and then pulses or aches. Um, in pain. So that's what she's dealing with. And so <clears throat> the options for treating endometriosis is, is to, um, hormonal w- birth control, put them on birth control. And if, if, if that, if that settles the uterus, then, then, then that will stop the pain. And we've tried that. We are now, she's taking a ridiculous amount of, she took the, she, she's getting a birth control shot more often than anyone ever would to help suppress it and it's not working so we're like okay we have to explore other options to get your quality of life right so she started doing research she we both joined this um facebook group filled with women who are going through the same thing wow and all these women are posting about how they've gone to their healthcare providers or have gone to their doctors and they're all told the same exact thing. So we haven't seen, we've talked to Jen's OB, but we haven't talked to the endometriosis specialist mm. at our healthcare provider. Okay. So 
her OB had been talking to the specialist and was like, this is what I think you should tell, you know, will work for Jennifer. So it was all hormonal treatment or to get surgery. So Jen starts, you're in this group, I'm in this group and you're seeing these women talk about what their healthcare providers are telling them. And then there's these stories. You start, I start seeing stories about women who are being told these things, seeking help from specialists who do the complete opposite of what the healthcare providers are suggesting Seriously? and changing their lives, completely changing their quality of life. So yesterday we, Jen had a, she finally had an appointment with the endometriosis specialist at, at our healthcare provider. Okay. That's awesome. So we're That's like, all right, make a post about let's that. go see what she has to say. She tells Jen <laughs> she wasn't there for the first surgery when they went into diagnose endometriosis, but she's seen the notes and she knows everything that she's been through. She tells Jen, I believe that it is true that you are one of the worst cases that our doctors have seen. So my suggestion is a complete hysterectomy and put you on hormone therapy till you're 45. So we go over all the, the benefits and, and risks of that. Right. And she goes, she tells her that, so like I told you, it's like a, imagine a spider web binding everything. She tells her, even if your ovaries are good and not covered, I'm still taking them out. Keeping the ovaries in would prevent her from having to take hormones for the next 20 years. But she said, even if they're good, I'm going to take them out because of the risk of having to go back in. Okay. And then she's like, and then it just like everything, it just, it was insane, Jake, sitting here and listening to this. She was like, essentially, because the um, endometriosis, I think, is wrapped or like damaged some of her bowels, there's a risk of cutting the bowels and then having an ostomy bag temporarily until they can go back in and then bind the bowels back together. Jesus. But then there's a risk of. Her uter, uh, not um, what is the tubes that connect your <laughs> uh, kidneys? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like uterine something. I don't remember. I sound stupid right now. Um, anyways, so they're like, we could damage those. We could damage part of you know, like your um. So we might have to put a stint in prior and then pull it out later. And just like all of these what ifs, like terrible what ifs, right? And Jen and I had done enough research that we went in knowing that this is the shit she was going to tell us. Yeah. So because this is what other people have had done and it's changed their quality of life. No. No. This is the bad stuff. That people are saying... Yes. But you're not supposed to do? Yes. Okay. So we've done research. We've listened to podcasts from specialists. We've watched videos of the actual surgeries from these specialists. My issue here is with... (laughs) This is my rant now. All right. (laughs) My issue here is with the healthcare providers saying that this is the only option. So our healthcare provider in Portland has one endometriosis specialist. One. So that doctor is overbooked and responsible for for doing these surgeries on these women. I can't imagine 
that person being up to date on all the most current theories, data, and um, methods to deal with endometriosis because they're swamped. Mm -hmm. She even told us before we left, hey, if you set up a meeting uh, or an appointment, don't set up a phone appointment because those are actually double booked. And when I'm on the phone with a patient, I should actually be in a room with a patient also. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. So her solution, so the solution in this healthcare provider is to just give these women hysterectomies. Because it's fast and quick. Because it's fast and quick and it's easy to do. Jesus. So and this, even even if it's nowhere near like the best for... Right. So it, we contact the specialist wow. and we're going to, you know, we contact the specialist and we're like, hey, you know, we're interested in coming and see you. Um, this is kind of what the doctors have told us so far. We didn't tell them about the, yesterday's meeting until after yesterday's meeting. Mm-hmm. But this doctor, he goes in and removes all of the scarring, removes all of the endometriosis, basically cleans house, but does surgeries three times a week. Does a podcast every week, or not every week, but like once or twice a month with another specialist in England where they analyze endometriosis um, scholarly articles and talk about the the cost benefits of this this research okay so this is his job and and the other doctors that we've looked into this is their job and their methods are different and they have they can take more time they can be more specific on the way that they do these surgeries right mm-hmm. and they have oncologists not oncologists what is the butt doctor <laughs> uh gastron yes there you go yes yes I, yes the only reason why i remember that is from seinfeld yeah sure the, the ass man <laughs> the ass man so they have their own ass man and you know what i mean so that they have they have a team that goes into this with this knowledge and these women have had the same things told to them as jen has been told that you know there's nothing else we can do you have to get a hysterectomy then they go to this doctor and he goes in the doctor told us yesterday that she would not remove scarring because scarring just grows back and then the specialist is like that's just not the case that's not true interesting fact the specialist we're looking into trained the doctor we visited with yesterday they have completely different methods of approach and i think it's because of the healthcare system because she's overbooked, because she's so swamped, it's just easier for them to just rip it all well, out well, and, and push also, hormones. And it's also probably, if you think about it, like if she's under the assumption that scar tissue is going to come back, right? Insurance getting involved, being like, "Well, what can you do to not make so you have mm. to go like back in and constantly like make sure that this is a like, one time, right. one time fix." Yes, so we're not, we're not have to keep shelling out money. For, that's a great point. I don't know if that's no, the case. I don't know if this is the case either. This is all my assumptions yeah. of the healthcare, but it's just like it's just weird mm-hmm. that somebody who trained under the specialist we're talking to has a completely different approach. Yeah, what is the difference? What changed? Why is this doctor? So we've done research into this doctor, and he said he left the the healthcare system because of those reasons. Because oh, so this guy has his own private practice. Yes. Okay. So that's where I'm. The frustration comes with women's health. So if these women are dealing with these things and they want the the best healthcare that they can get, okay, they have to go out of network. That's insane. That's and, just that's just insane. And not covered. So that's where we're at now. We're going to have to go out of network and pay for the specialist. But this guy, and not not saying we're going to use this, but this is one great thing about him. He goes, I set, I set 
my finances so that I can give one free surgery a month or something like that. Wow. Because I know that this isn't an option for women in the healthcare system today. Well, this seems like a good dude. A good dude. I'm just like blown away that that the lack of options. And where I'm sorry, I'm sure you probably said yeah. it, but I I um I missed it. Mm-hmm. Is, where is he located? He's here in Portland. Is he? Yeah. Okay. And there's one I think in Seattle um, that they used to work together, both of them. Um, so there's a bunch of doctors, but there are literally women in this group, Facebook group, who met with the same doctor we did. Mm-hmm. Was told the same thing, went to the specialist, and felt a million times better, and they didn't get a hysterectomy. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, I guess things like institutions can be so hard to change. Yeah. Right? Like, you're talking about, like, a very structured, you know, private healthcare system mm-hmm. where it's, yeah, I think, I think just, like... The way that whole institution is built, it's so hard mm-hmm. to try to like change things. And this doctor that you're meeting with may have, may still, maybe holds some of the ideology or you know, right. whatever that the person she trained under still mm-hmm. does, but has just been institutionalized. Right. And, and then, and, and just realize that I can't change it. I'm right. going to have to do what they told me to do. This is what we've known has worked for in the past for this yeah. without any sort of update because mm-hmm. there hasn't, there isn't the funding to try to update the information. So, gosh. And that's that's, a, uh, that's just ins- it's ins- it seems insanity, but then yeah. you think about it, it's like, yeah, I mean, right? I guess it's unfortunate. Yeah. And one thing Jen and I talked about is like at the end of the day, this like what you're saying, this is the best thing that works statistically. If you look at all the data, it's easier just to give a hysterectomy and put them on hormones. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, these are women for sure. These are I mean, people mm-hmm. and these are lives. Yeah. And you're just gonna take all their reproductive organs and put them on hormones. I, it's just annoying and frustrating. And it's just one more thing we're dealing with <laughs> on top of where we've been, you know. Yeah. But I just I just wanted to put it out there because I know that we do have women listeners, but I know that we also have men listeners. And I just want people to be aware that this is something that it, that women deal with. And it's it's I, you don't ever hear about people like taking men's reproductive organs just because of something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just weird. I just don't get it, and it doesn't make sense, and it's annoying, and it pisses me off. And well, you have every right to be pissed off. Like, yeah. Then, I mean, thank God, like you're like a re- like you're a, you have that researcher's mind, right? Like she, you, it's you, been Jen. Oh, really? A hundred. I'm telling you right now. Well, I mean, I guess that makes that makes sense. If she, if she wanted to, she could probably write a well written like scholarly paper on just the research she's done well, that's awesome. on how the the way that they used to handle and deal with endometriosis has evolved and mm-hmm. changed. She's she knows so much in the term and the medical terminology and all she was challenging the doctor yesterday, okay, but when you're saying this term, are you really meaning this term? And she's like, Yes, those are synonymous and she's like, Well, I haven't heard them being used synonymous, so if that's what you're referring to, if if when you say this word you mean that word, then now we're on the same page. I was just like, What the fuck? Well, that's awesome. I'm <laughs> glad that she has that researcher's mind right. to then to really just question like is this what's best for my body right. because i think we have such a like it's a doctor they have a yes. degree therefore they have to be right right we'll just take what they have to say as yeah. as gospel and i'm i'm glad that you know you guys didn't settle for the status quo right it was just negative you could just feel the negativity of like basically like well you're fucked and i'm gonna go in there and take it was almost, we, her and i started joking about she's like i want your organs <laughs> like it just almost like if you're if you're ovaries are fine 
I'm still going to take them. That's weird. But then when she was talking about like the scar tissue, if the scar tissue is not in the way of what I need to do, I'm going to leave it because of the thought that it'll grow back. But it's weird. It's just that mentality of like, if the scar tissue's there, I'm not going to remove it. But if your healthy ovaries are there, I'm going to remove them. It's just, yeah, that just, gosh. It's weird. Yeah. It pissed me off, but we're going to, we're, we, we, the specialist, we've, Talk to one specialist, and um, we have a we have a phone call tomorrow with the specialist to kind of go over. We've sent him all of her medical records for him to go over and kind of look at the case and mm-hmm. see can I help this person? Which, if it's that bad, he's going to be like, all right, yeah, you need me. Um, but we're also talking to another specialist and sending them the medical records so that they can go over and see. Okay. Um, but an interesting thing that Jen told me recently was that these women in this group. <laughs> The 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 admin of the group, I guess she's a nurse practitioner. Practitioner, okay. And she started this group, and all these women are in this group. She posted the other day, like this thing that they do. It's kind of fucked up, but it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> so they'll get the di- the the plan from a doctor, like we did yesterday. Hey, you need to get a hysterectomy. You need to have everything removed, and then you need to go on hormones, right? And they'll say, okay, great, thank you. That's one approach that you want to take. Then they'll go to a specialist. They'll get the surgery done. Their life will be completely changed and they'll feel a million times better. They'll send the surgical records with a letter explaining how well they're feeling back to the healthcare provider doctor and say, I just thought you should be aware of this. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything you said was bullshit because I did this approach and I feel a million times better. Yeah. It's just so odd that it's so resistant to change. Right. Um, why are, Why is there no desire to give the best health care? I get that it's it's probably swamped and busy and hard, but you have one endometriosis specialist doctor. Why not get a whole team? Then that's not all on one person. Then some of you can spend time staying up to date on the research and the, and the newest methods. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, you know, where's... Where's the money? Right. Like doctors are coming out of med school looking. I'm not saying, I mean, there's, there's obviously doctors who are in the profession because they want to do good and they want to help. And the money is secondary. There's also people chasing MDs because they want money. So they're going into fields where there's a lot of money. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just assuming that endometriosis might be such a, such a subfield that mm-hmm. it's hard to find people who right. are even wanting to specialize in it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think this doctor's doing really well, the specialist. Yeah. Because like he's super sought after. And we asked, you know, is is there like a super like is there a long wait like to get in with him? They're like, No. And we're like, Oh, well, isn't he like super sought after? Yeah, but he does surgeries three three days a week. So he's getting through these patients and and making sure that they're getting they're getting in, getting the right care, and then getting taken care of. Whereas at other healthcare other healthcare providers, that one doctor might do a few surgeries on one day. You know what I mean? So he's doing like a, a doctor who's doing a few per day is doing like ten a week. Like, what do you mean? Well, how many how many per week would they be doing if they're doing multiple? The specialist. Per- well, the specialist you oh. said is doing three day. Oh, sorry, yeah, the specialist with your health healthcare provider. How many surgeries do you think they? The do healthcare week? provider probably does multiple in one day. I because wow. I know that when I was getting my like ACL reconstructed, and I've known of other surgeries, they're like, all right, this doctor needs to go to another surgery right after this. Like they'll just schedule their surgeries in one day. 
Oh, and so they only do surgeries one day per week, but it's multiple on that one day. Yes, mm. per month or whatever it is, okay. however frequent it is. Where this doctor will, if it takes six hours, seven hours, eight hours for one patient, he'll dedicate that time to make sure it's done right. That's good. Where these ones are kind of like a mill and they just want to, all right, scrape out all your goods and put you on pills. Yeah. It's that's frustrating. Un- that's super unfortunate. Yeah. So, just putting the word out there. Be aware. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, honestly, that's super eye-opening for me. Yeah. Because, like, I thankfully haven't had to deal too much with health, like, right. healthcare and stuff like that. And for either Kylie or I. Right. And, Gosh, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine what you guys have gone through. Well, you guys are so strong. You may have a daughter. What? You may have a daughter one day. Oh, that's true. You know, I was going to say, do you know something I don't? <laughs> no, I'm um, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I just, well, I'm, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Just uh, if you're interested, you know, reach out to me. We'll chat. I can tell you about it. I can tell you about our experience and um, where to go if you need to and, and uh, what groups to join and, and who to talk to if you're dealing with the same stuff or know anyone who's dealing with the same stuff. I don't want anyone to to go through this. You guys aren't alone um, in any of this, whether it's infertility issues or or endometriosis pain or anything like that. Like I've been through it all, and it's interesting being you know the guy mm-hmm. through this. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, guys, if you want to chat, I'm totally down. Girls, if you, you know, need some direction on the groups that we go to or, or whatever, I'm totally down to, to hook you up with that too. Well, thank you. And thanks Jeff for sharing all that with yeah. us. I know it's been really tough on you guys. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> <It sucks>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're doing all right. We're getting through it one day at a time, you know, and, uh, everything happens for a reason. I honestly believe that. And I think that timing is happening for you know this 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 whole thing is kind of while we're waiting for our adoptive child to to come into our lives we now have the time to take care of this Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's kind of how we look at it so we'll see we'll figure it out so sticking on this theme of women okay (laughs) i've told you before i'm obsessed with the handmaid's tale you have season three started and there was this moment Okay, so aside from so the show, for those who don't know, it's it, it it's an, it's about oppressing women, women being second class, um, but it also is a show about you know strength through womanhood and individualism and uh, unity. You know, it's it's freaking awesome. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal, some of the rape scenes, um, but you'll love this, Jake. There's a scene on season three. They're starting to, they've introduced a character who was foundational in creating this theocracy. Okay. So, in this world that they live in, there was a fertility crisis. There was a climate crisis. So, the answer to all of this was to create this theocracy, this very structured hierarchy, this very structured society to allow for humanity to continue. Okay. So, on one scene, season three, episode three, the main character, the, not the main character, the this new character, Joseph Lawrence is his name. He's a commander. He's one of the foundational people, if not the founding father of this society. Tells the main character in front of a room of other men and commanders, 
go grab this book off my bookshelf. He's trying to make a point, right? I'll get to the book he grabs in a second. But she walks over to the bookshelf, and the camera shows the bookshelf for a second. And I like tried to read as quickly as possible. And I was like, whoa, whoa, pause it, pause it. Jen pauses. I'm like, rewind it and pause it on that shelf. And, I, and so she does. And these are the titles of these books. I love when, just side note, sorry. Yeah. I love it when uh, writers and producers put that much detail. Jake, you're going to love this. Okay. It's so good. So these are the titles of the books that were on his shelf. Ooh, Thomas Hobbes Leviathan. He didn't there? grab. Nope. Oh, okay. He didn't grab. Sh- they're written by this character. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of them are. I have three. Uh, one, two, three, four, four books that were not did not have the author's name. Mm-hmm. And then the last four had the, the uh, Joseph Lawrence's name oh okay so, he so had, these are fictional books yes okay but he had written these books prior to the crisis okay which then everybody turned to him to to fix the problem mm. is what i'm okay we're not there yet but i think that's where it's going sure first book title economic effects of the religious revival during the fertility crisis women's work and coffee spoons empirical model of women's hours of work american prosperity in a warming world Second class and emerging power of religion. So those were the first four that weren't written by him. Mm-hmm. These were written by this character. So tight. I was like giddy, Jake. I was like, <gasps> just like so into it. Okay, so I mean, they're terrible books. Mm-hmm. They're. they're I, I, I mean, the, obviously the goal is putting women second class to men in the society mm-hmm. for quote the benefit of society, but problematic populism. Survival during the fertility crisis and long-term effects on American prosperity by Joseph Lawrence. So these are all written by that character. The case for relaunching the mercantile economy in developing nations. Religious genealogy. So colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. The religious genealogy of Western economics and then the brink of extinction. That's crazy that someone sat around and thought of those titles of something yes. that only somebody who like you would be crazy enough to pause it on to read them. Yeah, but that's so rewarding. Like I'm as saying. a viewer, that's so rewarding too, right? Yeah. But oh, that's cool. That's what I'm saying. Like I was like, wait, wait, wait. And there's like some real world like yes. parallels there, like the revival of the mercantile yes co- economy, like what China's doing with debt democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that's crazy. So in that scene, the book he has him has her go grab is uh the descent of man and selection in relation to sex by charles darwin oh it lays out a theory of women's inferiority to man under the guise of scientific fact wait yes so yes darwin yes hmm right so darwin is always like his theories are so always like misappropriated. But also, if this is a theocracy and based on faith, they're using kind of the antithesis to. They're using the the author or the, you know, the arguer for evolution. Yeah. To argue, this case of men being superior in a world where, uh, based on, God. Oh. Yeah. Well. It's not entirely shocking. I mean, that's just kind of the same thing that, you know, the British and, you know, the British and French Empire mm-hmm. um, even did with, 
you know, their, their colonial practices and how they, um, try to imply eugenics and stuff mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. that and biological racism. Um, and then there was like, they tried to like infuse, you know, theology in right. with that. So it's, there's definitely histo- like a real world historical precedent right. for that. I don't know how, like you got to do some like crazy gymnastics to like get there. Yeah. But you can, I mean, yeah, it's not like it's on like that. It hasn't been, it's been attempted in the real world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, in, that's super interesting. So, you know, I found articles kind of analyzing why did she grab that book what does it mean that she grabbed that book but for me the most interesting thing like a psychopath was that bookshelf of all those Mm -hmm. books written by him yeah and there's a reason they shot that shot for sure and i guarantee like if we're going to discover who this character is in this developing the development of this world those ideas that he wrote in those books are going to be relevant but it's just so interesting to me that the audience just concentrated on the book she grabbed where I'm like, no, pause it. Wait, wait, holy crap. So he was the expert at the time in all of this theory. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. such a nerd, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That, dude, that's, that sounds awesome. I yeah. only watched like the first three episodes of that show. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because... If if it goes where I think it's gonna go, and showing or or kind of revealing or because uh, sometimes they'll go they'll have flashback scenes to prior to the infertility um, crisis, okay, and then leading up to like this kind of rebellion against the U.S. government to take over that land mm-hmm. and build their their Gilead is what it's called. Um, so you'll you'll see some throwback scenes where they're showing this development. And if they're going to kind of go into the history of how this all happened in this author, it'll be interesting to see his history and his writings and mm-hmm. if they show that stuff. But That's interesting. But people aren't even thinking about that. I'm just like, because I want them, I want to see it so bad and I'm so into it. So they, oh, they have to. Mm-hmm. It's such a good fucking show. It's, it seems like it. Is Alexis Bledel's character still in it? Who the hell is that? She's the girl that played in Gilmore. She was like the main yes. character in Gilmore Girls. Yes. She's still in it. She's okay. freaking great. I can't stand that stupid show because they talk too damn fast. Mm-hmm. But oh, Kylie loves that show. She watches it non. She watches it nonstop. Jen loves that show. She's watched every freaking show. So it's season. all the the witty banter. Yeah, it's like oh, I, I can't stand it. If either. it wasn't ninety miles an hour, mm-hmm. I could get into it. But it's like how? Wait, what? It's just way too fast for mm-hmm. me, but she's phenomenal in that show. Okay, yeah, and she's, she's a good actress. She goes, she's still in the third season. She's she's doing it's it's a she has a fucking really interesting story because she is a lesbian. Mm. So imagine being in a same sex marriage in a world that is now shifting towards being founded on religion, but she's fertile. So now she's like, like the slave of some family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. To, to produce children, mm-hmm. it's fucked up, dude. It's it's a great show. I mean, it like when I say great, it's well written, it's well acted. The story, just this idea of like, you know, you'd like to imagine that this could never happen, but what if there is some catastrophic events? What if there is some catastrophic climate event aligned with? the decline of the ability to have children. How do people react? How does the government react? If there's less people, what do you do? 
to save your species. I don't know. It's crazy to think about when you watch this. You, I don't know. You could see like the possibilities, I guess, if you will. But we like to think that it's never a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> I know that was super. That's super deep analysis. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. That, no, it's interesting to think about. Like right. when you're talking about the reordering of the very society that we we mm-hmm. know of. Right. Like there are women who are dedicated to just produce children, women who are dedicated as like um, as housekeepers, basically like slaves. Um, And then there are there's like this. um, I can't remember the name of the place, but they just send them to work in this like radioactive fields. And the commodity for Gilead so it's like Gilead is now the United States, but there's still some areas of the U.S. that are fighting back against Gilead. I think Chicago is one borderline city. But then they're also the sanctuary place to go to is Canada. So everybody's running to Canada to get freedom. Okay. But then there's like diplomats from Mexico who come to Gilead and they, they all pretend like, no, no, every every handmaid here is happy. We're all happy here. And then... There's a moment between what handmaid and the diplomat from Mexico and they're like, like, please help us. And she's like, we need children. Sorry. It's fucking crazy, dude. It's so good. I'm such a nerd for this show. Hmm. Yeah, you should check it out. Give it a shot. I don't know. Maybe if you're listening, give it a shot. Jake probably won't watch it. No, I'm not. I'm going <laughs> to lie, dude. I don't have time for. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I was going to ask you, like, do you want to read this book? But you don't have time because you're reading a book a week. But I started this Astoria, Astor and Jefferson's Lost Pacific Empire, a tale of ambition and survival on the early American frontier. Yeah, man, that uh, that's right up my alley. Like, oh, you, yeah. you, you hit me with that um, a year ago, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I would have been all about that yeah. book. They're talking about how Astor on his way um, would always stop by the Hawaiian Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, he employed a lot. He was the first to employ, really employ Hawaiians yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. I'm only like one chapter in, but... It's crazy. They were talking about how he didn't like pay him. No, <laughs> but he would uh, he would take European goods to the Pacific Northwest and trade them for different things, mostly furs. Yeah. And then go to China to sell those furs mm-hmm. and then get all the Chinese goods and then bring them back and then send them to sell, sell them to the Europeans. Yep. No, that he started the, the that was kind of like the beginning of the triangle, right? The triangle, trade, yeah. yeah. Je- it, interesting enough, Thomas Jefferson actually believed that he could fund westward expansion mm-hmm. off of the fur trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why one of the reasons why he sent Lewis and Clark. Yeah, it's the, insane talking about Jefferson because Astor, uh, he was just like he wrote a letter to Jefferson and was like, "Hey, I want to go out west, and I have this plan to create, you know, this triangle mm-hmm. of trade," and then he was like, "All right, come to the White House and meet me." It's just, it's just, it's it was weird. To, for, it's weird for me sometimes to imagine the simplicity of that time. Yeah, because I imagine like I hear you hear about him creating this trade, this trade network. You know what I mean? Like looking at from this perspective, you're like, "Well, yeah, that would make sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you capitalize on those things?" Mm-hmm. But would I be that guy? No, I'd probably be some dummy, like just you know, I don't know, just doing some stupid 
I don't know, being a butcher or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like I'd like to imagine that it'd be some like this was they had the opportunity to just if you just thought about things differently to capitalize on a system mm-hmm. or 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 whatever. Yeah. Right. Or you could just get stuck in a trade or be a part of You're a cog like, in the wheel. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting book. Yeah, I love how the whole. I mean, just just because I was where I did a lot of research, mm-hmm. but I just love how the Hawaiian Islands just kind of situated themselves. I mean, it, not by that, not on purpose, but how they <laughs> yeah. ended up being as a here. as a process. Mm-hmm. How the Hawaiian Islands just became like situated within that broader right. uh, empire right. and uh, trade network. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll keep you updated on what I've learned. Yeah, and I'm sure you know more than me, so we'll discuss. Well, it. I mean, you'll you'll know more than me by the end of that book, especially on the um on the American Fur Company. Yeah, that's where they just yeah. started introducing the American Fur Company, the Northwest something. Yeah, so there's the North. Well, there's another, there's the Northwest Company, yes. which is British. Yeah, they talked about the American versus Northwest. Yeah, so the Northwest was the first British company in the Northwest, and then yeah. the Hudson's Bay com- Company comes in later. Mm-hmm. Then there's the merger between the Northwest and Hudson's Bay Company, right? And then like eighteen. 20s mm-hmm. late 1820s but yeah it's uh yeah all, like all the expeditions into the, like the snake river valley mm-hmm. and stuff like that it, it's um yeah really cool and uh some of the like some of the um micro histories of of the of the early settlers on this area like one of the hawaiian one of the first hawaiians to come to the pacific northwest and as a as a fur trade employee mm-hmm. ends up getting traded from the americans like he's an employee right but then he gets traded <laughs> To the to the north to representatives from the Northwest Company. Yeah, they bring him all the way back across, like up through Canada, all the way to Boston. Mm-hmm. Ship him to England, and then he ends up on a boat all the way back in the Hawaiian Islands. Oh, like throughout for like a ten, like it's like a ten year journey, but right. like basically like as an employee, mm-hmm. but more of a slave because he didn't really have any own his own agency. Right. He just kept getting traded from company <laughs> to company, Jesus. and then eventually made his way back to the Hawaiian Islands, and then right. voluntarily came back to work for the hudson's bay company right so just kind of bizarre yeah yeah so um john jacob astor yep and astoria the founder of astoria i go to astoria every year Mm -hmm. so i was like i kind of i see this book every time i go to astoria and little shops in the windows and i was like i should read that someday so that I looks super good. Yeah, it. keep me updated. I I I love that little his uh, that kind of history. That's Five dollars a goodwill. Perfect, dude. I'm always scavenging goodwill. <laughs> oh, I always tell Kylie, I'm like, oh, we should go into goodwill and take a look. Jeff's always finding good deals. Mm-hmm. The night we never stop. The books are where it's at. Tell me about your school, Jake. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, casual, I, I, casual. Well, I don't know. Like, do you want to talk about? So just bring staying bring on staying heat. on old no staying on like movies because I just watched Chernobyl, oh. dude. If you get a chance to watch Chernobyl, I, I know I know that. I know it's the popular thing, yeah. and you're kind of a contrarian, I so am. you're not going to want like you're. And I'm the What's same way. On? What's I'm the on? same way. If I'm told something's popular, you should watch it. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, don't watch Handmaid's Tale. It sucks. <laughs> 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 you watch Chernobyl, but you just told me you don't have time to watch Handmaid's Tale. Chernobyl's only five episodes total. Like there's oh. there's not going to be seasons. It's literally oh. five episodes. Okay. So I was like, I can do that. Okay. What what's it on? It Chernobyl. Yeah. Well, it's about the the nuclear. No, I know what it's on. What it's about. Like what platform? <laughs> oh, HBO. Oh fuck. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. If you have, if, it's highly recommended it. because, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to like. I'm just saying, watch it, and then yeah. you and I can talk about it later. Perfect. 
because I'll only do it for the pod, <laughs> dude. Some of the stuff, some of the parallels you're gonna see, like the the demonization of science and uh-huh. education, and like um, that happens in like you know you know it's all about the party versus like what the scientists are saying, and then yeah. just like the human collateral that comes out of that and the ramifications of that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. And then also then people in the US trying to make it a political football, right? Oh, like that's look at you know, that's what socialism does, right? Right. But then they're like so we'll saying, No, it's not socialism inherently uh-huh. that's the cause of this. It's 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 people it's the ambitions of people within that within right. that within right. that system and everything. And it's just super interesting. So I'll just say this. Yeah. There's a um right after the, the uh the, the nuclear blast happens all of the um like there's like a, there's like a boardroom in uh pripyat which is the uh the ukrainian city where right. the chernobyl is in the um there's scientists on one side of the this boardroom table and then there's the party leaders at the at, on the other side with like this communist party like head dude at the head of the table and the 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 party people the the party representatives the Sorry. party <laughs> the party representatives and the scientists are bickering back and forth yeah. the scientists are saying the the, the core where what we're seeing is the core literally exploded and then the party the the party members are saying that's not possible and like the head scientist at Chernobyl <laughs> saying that's not possible it couldn't have exploded can you explain how that happened and they're like well we can't explain how it happened it's never happened we just know that we're seeing graphite that means the core had to have been exploded. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, that's not, that's not it. Because one, they didn't want to admit that they had this catastrophic, like this catastrophic failure yeah. that was caused by, in a lot of ways, by negligence. And so that it's all, everybody trying to, in, like the party trying to insulate itself from embarrassment, where the scientists are saying everything. And it's just like this manipulation of everything. Well, they're beckering back and forth in this, this, uh, this old guy who's like this communist party head, you know, head cheese mm-hmm. starts banging his, his, uh, his cane on the, on, on the table. Mm-hmm. And, he stops and he goes, you know, he basically shuts up the, the, the scientists and says, the party is the representation of the people. The party can never be wrong because it is the people. Whoa. And he points on, he points to the, uh, to a picture, a painting of Vladimir Lenin on mm-hmm. the wall. And he goes, you know, th- you know, thank you all of you guys for your concern, <laughs> but it's, you know, the, the the communist party is built on the party because it's a party of the people and therefore the party is never wrong so and, and then and then so everybody like just stops because like that's pretty much the end of it like yeah we're going with what the state says because the state is an instrument of the people right so um there uh some conservative t- it's not steven crowder but someone like steven crowder mm-hmm. starts talking about well it's socialism and um and steve well, no stephen king the author mm-hmm. tweets there's no way you can watch chernobyl and not think of the trump administration mm-hmm. and this conservative pundit on social media tweets back at him and says you know how can you say that this is you know it's not it's socialism it's not like you're an idiot blah 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 blah, blah. well the producer of chernobyl oh <laughs> comes back at this conservative guy and says you're you're the guy with the cane you just worship a different person's painting on the wall and it was dude that was literally like the biggest mic drop Whoa. ever it was so good so you, if you yeah you should, it's in the first this is all in the first episode okay so it's if, if there's only one to watch it's the first one yeah but i'll watch them all dude it's so good so i got really into uh just researching um chernobyl like years ago i so i don't remember all the facts and things that i saw but I was super into like 
what happened and then and, and there was a I watched a documentary I think on it but just talking about the the people who were sacrificing their lives essentially to go in there and clean it up or to help stop it yeah because that's all in exposure mm-hmm. and then they were in the documentary they're talking about like this this cloud I th- wasn't okay so this is according to the documentary if I'm remembering it right they kept it quiet and nobody knew about it at first but what gave it away to the outside world that something had happened was a cloud that was like of nuclear fucking radiation mm-hmm. had floated over another city in a different country and they sensed it on their shit and they're like that shit is um what is that from yeah basically and they traced the weather pattern to mm-hmm. chernobyl that's yeah that's how they um i think it was french scientists yeah that ended up detecting it <laughs> That's insane. Because the wind direction was coming out of the <laughs> yeah. west, so it was pushing everything towards you know the out of the communist block. Where, yeah, where you know they're trying to cover everything up. Jesus, it's, dude, it's absolutely the same. I, and then of course, like I watch this, I'm like, how much of this is really true? They do a really good job. Okay, a really good job okay. of um, kind of uh, of sticking to as accurate as possible. Uh-huh. They don't yeah. really bloviate anything, which is nice. Do they use any uh, real life footage? Not that I saw. Okay, because I rem- on this documentary, the helicopters are literally hovering over the fucking plant, mm-hmm. and all this radiation is just like coming up on them. Yeah, the exposure must have been insane. Yeah, all of, all of those people like died. Even though yeah. even though that even Russia, the Russian government today maintains that the only deaths attributed from Chernobyl were is thirty one, <laughs> which is no just ridiculous. Way. Because um. I mean, I guess there's really no point in, like, you can spoil it because it's all history, right? right you can right, research right. this. But they, um, to, to get the, because the you know, granite was what's what lined mm-hmm, the core. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when it exploded, it threw this radioactive granite right. all over the rooftops in order for them to build, like, this shield over it for, like, to try to contain it over the, you know, mm-hmm. long period of time. They needed to remove that granite. Otherwise, they couldn't build this shield. So, Whoa. so the, the, com- they went to Moscow and they said, we need, a machine, but the Soviets didn't have the technology to build a machine that could mean that could survive that much radiation. Mm-hmm. So they um, they went to Germany, France, and Canada, all built machines to give to Mos to give to the Russian government, uh-huh. the Soviet Union, to use to you know push this uh, granite back into like the the hole, so mm-hmm. they could then cover it up. Well, the go- Russian government didn't tell the scientists on the ground at Chernobyl. That they're sticking with their party line that the that the most amount of um, radiation was only like eight hundred runken or a thousand mm-hmm. runken, which mm-hmm. was like a third of what it actually was. Right. So every time, so they went to go put this robot that was supposed to the scientists thought was going to be able to solve the problem. They go and put it in, and it dies in like a minute. It just because they were lying about the be, radiation because, levels. Because the Russian government lied about the radiation levels to the people who were building the machine that was meant to go in and fix it. So the Russian government, to try to not be embarrassed, didn't right. want to tell how much radiation there was, set the whole thing up for failure just because they didn't want to be embarrassed. So then Jeez. the scientists had no other recourse but then to say, well, we'll use biological, we'll use biological, they call it biological machines, which is literally just shipping in thousands of, of Russian um, like National Guard troops yeah. between the ages of like 18 and 35 oh. lining them with basically lead yep, suits and then running up there you had like 90 on like roof three you had like 90 seconds 
to run out there, take a shovel, throw as much granite of this radioactive granite <laughs> off of the roof, and then as soon as the whistle blew, you had to book it back. And if you got like if you got any sort of cuts or like you're, <gasps> you're like anything that was you were toast, yeah, like you got radiation sickness and then immediately because you're like talking like two thousand runkin. They said in ninety in that ninety seconds, that was as much radiation as the human body can take in in a lifetime. But they went back after 90 seconds, or were they one and done? They were one and guy? done. New guy. Yeah. They just Whoa. kept running people up there for like a month, just doing that 90 seconds. And then once you were up, you were done. But they just kept dude, just funneling people. Through. Oh, my word. And they, they said they really don't know how many, because the Soviet Union is so tight-lipped. Right. They really don't know how many these people died of cancer. But then it gets like the firefighters that showed up to Chernobyl... At, at first, like it's so awful because they sent those guys to the roof, yeah, with no protection yeah. to put out this fire, and then like they all died from radiation yeah. sickness. But like they, they do it's it's on a, it's terrible. But that like reading about like how they filmed and like like did the makeup for people with like ra- like literally like dissolving from radiation mm-hmm. sickness is that it's pretty fr- it's accurate. It's hard to watch. Is it? It's super hard to watch. Oh, but I want to watch it. It's good, dude. You should Dang. you should watch you should watch the show because not only for the political intrigue, but right. then also like just it's one of those shows that from the beginning to the end it's hopeless. Right, right. It in it and it stays within itself. Yeah, it doesn't try to give you like, well, there is a little bit of hope. No, right. it's just despair from the beginning to the end. And in a way, that's kind of refreshing because there's so many shows that don't right. want to do that. They don't want to. They don't trust their audience to be able to. Um, take a crappy ending yeah we talked about that a little bit a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago but yeah they there's no nice little bow like this is the reality yeah of what happened damn dude okay yeah i'll check it out uh i was just googling you know chernobyl hbo show um the creator of hbo's chernobyl would like would love if you stopped taking nuclear disaster selfies yeah so i I guess that's a thing now (laughs) what people are going yeah into the exclusion zone and taking like selfies and it's super radioactive what is wrong with people people are so dumb so stupid look at this dude just smiling at the top yeah that guy's gonna die yeah what are they thinking? Like all all the scientists who were there, uh-huh. they're all, they all died from cancer over like Jesus. within years of of being up being within years of the of the of the incident. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. Wow. Okay, I'll check it out. I was hesitant because, well, you know why? You yeah, know me. everybody's everybody's <laughs> it's popular. Yeah. Dang, that sounds super interesting. And then I'll probably get really into it because I always do. Then I'll read a book and watch a documentary <laughs> and just want to know every detail. Wasn't there something that came out that like uh, Russia wants to make their own version of they the do, story? They do, yeah, because they um, they're main, they're maintaining that it was a the whole accident occurred because of the CIA. The CIA yeah. like caused the accident. Yeah. What if that's true? I, okay then the only way it could have happened is if they implanted the if they if it was actually like they paid off like the lead scientist to run all of these tests and drop the um like drop the core down to mm-hmm. some sort of like 
unstable. Even, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he made it super unstable because he was trying to prove a theory, right, about like a backup, like backup energy or something mm-hmm. like that. And he like his his like promotion was tied to this, mm-hmm. so he was like really really pushing this and wanted it done, wanted it done, mm-hmm. even though everybody in the room was telling him like don't do it, don't don't restart it this fast, right. and then it blows. So, and um, there was it was a design fault, mm-hmm. like there. With the other, so negligence was half of it. The other half was that there, and you could only get to this fatal flaw through gross negligence. Mm-hmm. But there was a fatal flaw in the design that the the, the original designer of the Soviet of, in the Soviet Union, the Soviet scientist that designed these core reactors, mm-hmm. um, knew about. And then when he published his findings, they censored they they censored it all. <laughs> So and then that, that gets like that gets discovered and the scientist that like, goes in front of the entire like Soviet Union and in like basically in front of the world and outs the Soviet Union mm-hmm. on on covering up this this uh, material. Right. Um, like he he pretty much gets a piece of pry and he ends up committing suicide in real Dang. life. But what he uncovered. I mean, so I don't know how the CIA <laughs> could have orchestrated all of that. Right. But right. I mean. There's, but I mean, the Russians are going to try to propaganda. I'll the hell watch out that of it. shit. Yeah. Could you imagine like some just Russian propaganda? Yeah. Like, just the, the most wish, far, dude. like the most far fetched shit. That'd be just awesome. Detached from reality. But that made me, th- that made me think, man, because did you hear about the, um, the, the, the Trump administration censoring a state department climate change? Um, yes. Yeah. So the, the state department had ready, had put together, um, a whole, report on climate change and its effect on global security yeah and they're going to present it to the un general assembly yeah. and the security council and the, the the trump administration blocked it not because they had any not because they they had any specific issues with the science that was being quoted right they had they just said it it didn't fall within administration understanding of climate I knew change you were going to say that broadly before you said that it's not like it wasn't like they wouldn't found like hey like our <sighs> we have an independent study that says something different on right. this particular point and this reading might not be right mm-hmm. so therefore we're going to you know go back we want you to go back revise make sure everything is is right because we're hearing something different yeah. no it's like we don't agree with we don't agree with your like your broad view of climate change so we're just going to that's nope, disgusting censor. jesus dude well, today he just exo- he, he invoked executive privilege on the census. I saw that the census material, like on how the administration came to put the citizenship question on. Right. Why? Why are you invoking sec- executive That's privilege shady, on that, dude? What are you hiding? Yeah, I saw Donna post that today, so I had to read the New York, New York Times article that she posted, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, you got you've got to be kidding me!" Like, just that alone in his actions like he's being shady how do how does anyone trust that i don't know but then he goes like you go over to europe i know this we're just like just like a, a, a round <laughs> robin of what what has trump done lately yeah but like well we haven't talked about him in a while it's decor like when you are like you are the head of state and you go to another country mm-hmm. it is the decorum that you do not involve yourself in local politics mm-hmm. and what does he do he goes to it's the about him. He goes to the he goes to Eng- England. He and they're in the middle of a major crisis with Brexit. Their their prime minister is stepping down. There's going there's um, a vote of note like all these sorts sort of votes going on within the Conservative Party about who the next prime minister is going to be. So he goes and then what does he do? He he backs Boris 
Boris Johnson, who's like, you know, this pro-Brexiteer. He's this really divisive character in, in, in Britain, saying Nigel Farage should, should take over. Was, that guy was like the orchestrator of Brexit. He should take over the Brexit negotiations. <laughs> like, you don't get yourself involved in domestic politics and you're in another country. You just don't do that. How would you think, it, how, would, how would Americans react if Emmanuel Macron oh came over gosh. in the middle of the 2020 election and said, I back Joe Biden? But people, even people who so don't support Trump would be pissed about that. And rightfully so. Right. It's not Macron's, it's not, it's, we hold up, even through our international institutions, the right to sovereignty for independent states. Mm-hmm. That is codified in international law. That sovereignty is the fundamental right of states. You don't go over and do that. You just don't. That's just, it's so outside of decorum for how, how uh, outside the norm. I mean, I guess, why am I saying this? He doesn't care about norms. He's the expert, Jake. And then he goes to, <laughs> it, so you, the, have you heard about the, have you read anything about the border dispute between Ireland and Northern, like no. the Irish, so Northern Ireland and the uh-huh. Republic of Ireland um, used to have a wall. Okay. And that caused, that was one of the major issues between them because the Republic of Ireland um, is in the EU, is like part of, Mm-hmm. Um, or is it Northern Ireland? God, why can't I think of this? One of the Irelands okay. is in is part of the UK. Okay, the other one is not. It's an independent country. Mm-hmm. There's a wall between them, and that wall has caused so much tension between the two, and was really the catalyst for a lot of the a lot of the infighting. Mm-hmm. They tore down the wall, and that's allowed for you know free trade and free traffic, people mm-hmm. to work in either in either country, and it's really soothed tensions between the Protestants and Catholics who are on both like kind mm-hmm. of on the both sides of the of that border. What does Trump do when he met with the with the Prime Minister? He goes, "You guys need a wall," <laughs> and like the wall, like the one of the reasons why Ireland is. Both countries, both the Irish countries, mm-hmm. are so worried about Brexit is that it would force a wall to get rebuilt, and that's one of the things that they're are they're trying to discuss in um they're trying to discuss right now in the EU mm-hmm. uh, in the in the Brexit negotiations is what are they going to do with the, with the heart with the, there's going to be a hard border now between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. They don't want a wall. Right. They said the wall is going to it's going to cause all sorts of all sorts of problems, both social social politically um, right. and and just in they're afraid it's going to reinstigate vi- the violence that we saw in past decades. Mm-hmm. So what you know, Trump knowing nothing just goes and, <laughs> and sitting there with the, nothing. with the, no, with, the nothing. Pri- with the prime minister of of Northern Ireland and says, "You guys need a wall." And he's actually actually no, we don't want a wall. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I knew that. Oh, you should my do, go word. go Google the the the, uh, Is the it interaction. Recorded? Yes, the interaction between Ireland no. and and Trump, the, the Prime Minister of Northern Ireland and and <laughs> and Trump about about the wall between the two countries. It's wow. Oh my god, dude! I was. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's insane to me that he is, yeah. We'll be discussing uh, various things. Probably you'll ask me about Brexit because I, I just left uh, some very good people that are very much involved with Brexit, as you know. And I think that'll all work out. It'll all work out very well. And also for you, with your wall, your border. Uh, I mean, we have a border situation in the United States, and you have one over here. But I hear it's going to work out very well. I think it's both going to work out well. It's going to work out very well here. And uh, again, uh, both the military and the trade is such a big factor, and we're going to be discussing that very much. So it's an honor to be in Ireland with my friend, and he's doing a great job as your prime minister. 
the main, the main thing you want to avoid, of course, is, is going to border our wall between. No, I think you do. I think you do. The way it works now is good. You want to try and keep it that yeah. way. And I know that's a big point of contention with respect to Brexit is your border. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to work out well. I know they're focused very heavily on it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, your wall, your wall. You got it. You're dealing with the same things we're dealing with over in the United States. He's like, yeah, but we don't want a wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he tries to like quickly backtrack. Yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. Like, yeah, the way it works right now works really well. Well, if you knew anything about the Brexit negotiations, you would know that the border is like a huge button, huge topic issue. And if Brexit proceeds, as if a hard Brexit proceeds, as you are. So he he's tra- he's talking on both sides of his mouth because Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage, the guys, he's, the, his homies, he's backing, mm-hmm. are are pushing for a hard Brexit, which would necessitate a wall being built. Right. But then he's telling the prime minister of Northern Ireland that um, what you oh, have now what works. you have now works. Right. You can't you yeah. can't have it both. He's, oh my gosh! <laughs> Jesus. All right, Jake. Well. This has been fun. Yeah. Next week we can talk about um, the re- the research I'm doing. Okay. The, the think about can the international system be mm-hmm. fundamentally remade to where nation states are not the principled actors. Oh. Okay. Because right now the way the international system is set right. up, it's all like it's all independent sovereign states right. interacting with each other with hard boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're um, with all, you know, autonomy. Yeah. And there are, so the question is, is can we get past that to a point where, can can it be fundamentally altered? Not getting past, because that's just some normative language. Right, right. But can it be fundamentally remade to where the nation state isn't the primary actor in the international Mm -hmm. sphere? Or Mm -hmm. does anarchy being the the structure that keep and therefore having causal effects on behavior associated with the, with anarchy we've talked about anarchy mm-hmm. um and what that you know self-help and everything or does that keep because of the because of the the environmental f- the realities of anarchy does that keep the nations will that always keep the primary actor at the international level sovereign nation states mm-hmm. so it's just kind of asking that question is like can it be fundamentally remade or not okay so there's there's different schools of thought on on both sides mm-hmm. and i think it'd be you guys may absolutely hate it i don't know <laughs> but i love talking about it so right. next week i i think it'd be it'd be fun to, okay. to kind of talk about okay. that i'll keep you updated on handmaid's tale and if they explore the origins of the theocracy okay because i'm super into that um and of course i'll update you on astoria Yep, let me know. <laughs> All right, real quick, I wanted to, uh, before we go, I wanted to uh, mention, we posted a little bit on our social media, but the KXRW Independent Radio second annual backstage block party, 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 party. June 29th, Saturday. Jake? We will be here. We'll be there. Be there. Join us Saturday, June 29th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at St. Chow Eatery and Tap Room for a fun afternoon of food, drinks, live musics, live musics, <laughs> games, <laughs> prizes, and community. Bring along your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors to support your local radio station. So, yeah, as you guys know, Jake and I do To the Republic on KXRW, and this is a celebration of the radio station, but I think the proceeds go to helping... 
mm-hmm. continue and build and fund the radio. Yeah, because it, it isn't it it operates under a um like a class C nonprofit mm-hmm. or something like that. So it, um yeah. So we we really are just basically rely on on donations mm-hmm. and fund like, for our funding. And yeah. would really appreciate if everybody could come out there. Yep. Um, Jeff and I will be speaking. I don't know to what end yet. Well, it says a meet and greet. With the current host, so hopefully there's not like a formal fucking speech. We have to like stand up there. Fuck that! Yeah. I'll sit in a chair and you can come say hi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll be there. Um, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna hang out. Um, I think there's like tickets include two drink tickets per individual, one raffle ticket per individual, and access to the summer buffet by Say Chow's Chef Peter. Yeah, so, I heard it's really good. I haven't been. Me neither. Um, but. They always seem to have a whole lot of KXRW. Always seems to hold a lot of their stuff there too. Yeah. So yeah. also uh, watch the Vancouver Rap, the Richfield Raptors. Mm. There, that um, baseball baseball team <laughs> and KXRW is is actually. If you want to listen to their games, mm-hmm. uh, KXRW holds. Um, well, airs the airs the games mm-hmm. uh, the live on KXRW. on KXRW radio, which is ninety nine point nine. Yeah. Also. CJ said I'm only into baseball now because KXRW is like working with them, collaborating. With oh, them. <laughs> I'm like, fuck no. Oh, it's funny. Anyway, so come hang out, come party with Jake and I and the rest of the people at KXRW. Um, or not. But either way, keep listening to Say What You Mean. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.